Some parents homeschool, others don't live near a school, and others simply can't afford full-time Jewish day school. Each of these families needs a solution that offers their children serious Jewish learning. That's why I created Kita. Kita is serious online Torah learning at an affordable price. With Kita, middle school age children receive online lessons each week through their Google Classroom and then participate in weekly Zooms with other kids from around the world. Children can enroll in the Chumash and Avi plan and study Chumash Shemot and Avi Shmuel, or in the Mishnah and Gemara plan, where we're learning Mishnah Brachot and Gemara Elu Metziot. If you'd like to give your child a leg up in his or her Jewish learning, now is a great time to join Kita, as our second semester begins on January 2nd. To learn more about how Kita can help your children grow and thrive in Jewish learning, visit kita.org and fill out the form. That's Kita. K-I-T-A-H dot O-R-G. Welcome to another edition of RZ Weekly, our podcast about religious Zionism and modern orthodoxy and a lot of things in between as well. I'm here with Harab Johnny Solomon. Hello, Harab Johnny. How are you? I'm very, very well. Thank you. You're great. And Harabanit Mali Bravsky. Harabanit Mali, how are you doing? Also, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Um, we, we used to, we have a special guest. I'll just tell our guest. We used to go through our bios, but we figure our listeners know who we are. If you don't, you can search us on the internet. It makes for boring radio to uh, boring podcast to repeat our bios all the time. But I will share the bio of our very special guest. We have with us today Simi Peters. I should I, I asked her for her title, but she says just Simi. Is that right? Just That's Simi. That's right. Just Simi. And the okay, yeah, just Simi. <laughs> it's working. It's working. It's working. Hey, it's working. okay. Um, uh, and so I'll read Simi's bio, and then I'll add a couple of other things, and I'll explain why we've asked Simi to join us on our podcast. Simi Peters, the author of Learning to Read Midrash, Urim Publications, has been teaching at Nishmat for over 25 years. Simi's been involved in Jewish education, educational consulting, and teacher education since making Aliyah 40 years ago. Her areas of special expertise are Tanakh, Midrash, and Biblical Commentary. She currently teaches at Matan's Bellows Eshkolot Educators Program. Jimmy has a master's degree in linguistics from the Graduate Center of CUNY, City University of New York. And the reason I had know, I got to know Simi uh, well and consider a very uh, close colleague is because Simi recently completed giving a, yet another iteration of her How to Teach Midrash course through Herzog Global at Herzog College for teachers around the world. Uh, and it, it was an honor to bring her teaching to, to teachers, her, her expertise to teachers around the world through her online course. And uh, if you want to know how to do online courses, reach out to me and I'll, uh, we'll, we'll join you in the Herzog Global Program. So Simi, welcome to RZ Weekly. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you. I am okay. delighted to be here. Great. Why did we invite Simi? Because Simi recently wrote an essay in the eight, for the 1840, uh, I guess, blog you wrote for their for their blog it was posted on their blog called lost in translation the cost of abandoning hebrew and so uh while you guys can read it I, i'm just going to ask simi if you would just 
I guess, as briefly or as expansively as you wish, what did you write in the article? And then we'll talk about why you felt it was so important to write it. What's your main thesis? And uh, what did you see as a, develop, as a, as a development in the, in, the, uh, in the world of Jewish education? So um, basically, I have been very dismayed over the past 20 years or so to discover that essentially Jewish schools have given up on teaching text in Hebrew. And I'm not talking here about Ivrit, Bivrit, um, or modern Hebrew language instruction. I'm talking about the fact that not that very long ago, I had students who could read a Ramban, translate it, answer questions on it in Hebrew without help. But your and students then, are future teachers you're talking about. Well, I'm, I'm not even talking just about the teachers. I'm talking about students in um, post-high school programs, for example. For many years, I taught in in, you know, Shana Ba'aretz programs, uh, where I, I'm thinking of a, a particular group many, many years ago at Darche Bina, where they were taking uh, Treyasar with me, a course in Treyasar. They were reading at the Malbim. Often they did not have the depth of understanding, perhaps. They understood the language. If I asked a question, they could look at the text and answer. And that's gone. That's really, really gone. Many students have difficulty with the mechanics of reading. Hebrew in the biblical text, right? You know, a, a chumash. They have trouble with the mechanics of that. And we're talking about texts with vowels. They certainly, the nuances of grammar, the difference between a passive, uh, you know, verb and an active verb, things like that, things that have an impact on our understanding of how the parshanim work or how the midrashim work or what they're thinking about or the questions they're addressing. They just, they, they have, they don't have it. They don't have that you know, database, if you will. They don't have that uh, knowledge, that fundamental ability to read the text. And that's very, very disturbing to me. Well, you also, why? Why is it so disturbing to you? If this is something, A, what we should uh, ask, your students are coming from a specific slice. Are they coming from modern Orthodox schools or They're coming more from modern, school? Well, it depends. I mean, over the course of years, I've pretty much taught across the spectrum. Um, I have not taught uh, hardcore Beis Yaakov students, but I, I gather that they, actually, I have nieces who are hardcore Beis Yaakov students. I came from the Beis Yaakov system. And these students, I have nieces who can't, nieces and great nieces who can't do it, who can also can't read text, can't understand text the way that they should. Some of them can, uh, and some of the modern Orthodox kids can. But for the most part, I would say the majority of 18-year-old students who have gone through 12 extremely expensive years of Jewish education cannot translate bi the biblical text accurately. And they can't, certainly when they look at Midrash and Parshanut, which is the Midrashic sources and the uh, biblical exegetes, they can't do it. They can't, they don't understand what they're reading. But what's even more disturbing to me is they're davening in translation. They're saying the words in Hebrew, but their eyes are on the English. They don't, they can't translate what they're dominating. I had a group of students who could not tell me when I took, wrote the words, they knew vaguely what it meant because they knew the English translation from the uh, from the sitter they were davening, from the arts girl sitter, but they, they couldn't tell me the difference between Yerahev and you know for example they they couldn't they couldn't relate to what they were davening in detail 
Hamotzi lechem min haaretz. Okay, so that's an extreme ex example. How do you get who brings forth bread from the earth from the word motzi? It's it's deeply disturbing to me. For one thing, um, you know the language of you know it's not it's not modern Hebrew, but the language of classical Hebrew has religious significance. It has sanctity, which English does not have. It is a direct experience of our tradition instead of at a remove where you're, you know, you're really, you're really relating to the English uh, translation rather than to the words themselves. And it it's a dumbing down. And I know it's a dumbing down because 80 years after Sarah Schneerer, uh, girls in, in, in Poland were learning uh, to learn, learning how to learn Chumash, uh, you know, in Hebrew. And they're far better educated or certainly more expensively educated, uh, you know, great-granddaughters great aren't. And that, I, there are many reasons to be upset about this. Okay, so for, we're, before we get to the reasons, we have with us uh, two educators who are also teaching or have taught in the post-high school system. And so I guess we'll first start with Molly. Molly, is this your experience as well? Have you have you noticed it the same way that Simi has noticed it? Yes, definitely, 100%. And I also want to say, like, I, I teach wonderful students. They are really, like, I mean, it just happens to be the case. It's students who, who I'm teaching are, are the place that I'm teaching. They're coming from the top schools. They're the top percentage of their classes. They're super motivated. Um, they're religiously motivated. But the decline is shocking. It's absolutely shocking. I was I was just saying before um, before we started, like it, it used to be that I could I I have to update my source sheets. It used to be that I could give them exact exactly what I guess I'll call you Simi because that's what you asked Please, people. Please, yes, prefer to be called Simi. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, I used to give them source sheets. I tried Mrs. Peters. It didn't go. Yeah. She's very mad at my mother-in-law's. She's a lovely lady, but she's my mother-in-law. <laughs> so I used to give I used to give sources and have the girls read them. Um, I can't do that anymore. Uh, I used to, the questions I gave. I used to write the questions in in Hebrew because we're we're learning Torah. Can't do that anymore. Um, I I literally just had to update my source sheets to write the questions in English under the Hebrew. Like I'm not going to erase the Hebrew, but I had to add the English. And I, the, the last thing that I that I just realized, which is most shocking, is like I'll, it used to be. I would say read the parak and assume that they could read the parak. Then I would say read the parak, and it's okay if you if you want to open up with an English, that's okay because I realized at a certain point they didn't understand a word that they were reading if they didn't have the English. So now we've gotten to the point where let's say they've done that, they prepared a parak pshat, right? I'm doing pshat, and I want to read the parak out loud and talk about the psukim. So it's reached a point. It used to be I read the pasuk in Hebrew and assumed they understood it. Can't do that anymore. Now I read the Pesach in Hebrew, and then I, I, I used to then translate it in by word for myself, right? Because I figured, okay, I'll give them a little help. Now I've started using a, like, um, you know, an English Hebrew Tanakh, and I've started reading the Pesukim in English. Like I'll read it in Hebrew, and then I'll read it in English, because I know that otherwise, and these are great, wonderful girls. And then what I, I, what I also realized is the, the reading it in Hebrew right now, for the majority of them, maybe there are still some of them who are getting it, but for the majority of them, it's really more for me than it is for them because they don't understand what I'm saying when I'm reading it in Hebrew. They're really just they're really just understanding the English. Like th this is where we are. Um, 
So, okay, let's go. We're yeah. saying uvdot. So you're, you're fully in agreement. I will stop there and say, and again, I don't want to down my students. They're wonderful. They want to, and they, and their skills do grow over the course of the year. But if you're talking about progression, there is no question that I see a marked, marked um, difference. Rav Johnny, you want to, do you want to have anything different to add? Uh, just on this fact, on the, on the Mitziut, because I don't live in the, that world. I, I, I deal with their teachers, but I don't, I don't deal with the students. I have much to add, but I'll, I'll just limit myself to three things. Uh, firstly, I will absolutely concur with what Simi said and what Mali said, that this is uh, identified and felt throughout schools, yeshivot and seminaries. Uh, as my background was um, head of a Judaic studies in a couple of high schools in the UK. So I, the journey that somebody goes to, I know the US is slightly different. But firstly, it is hard to find. Uh, good biblical Hebrew teachers. I mean, wait, 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 wait. Before we get to the, wait, before we get to the, to the problems okay. so, and why so, it's oh, happening. But, okay, fine. So I'll just say two quick things. Yes, absolutely. Point number two, I'll give a suggestion as to one of the factors why. There's a million. Wait, before we get to why, wait, wait, Johnny, here's one thing. I'll come back. We're going to come why. No, 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 no. <laughs> trust me, trust me. It's worth it. <laughs> number two is, you know, Mali just described how students wish to use the English because nowadays people don't want to feel stupid. See, here's the thing. When you learn, there comes a point in order for you to grow to learn, you have to feel that you don't know things. And uh, a lot of people don't want to have that feeling of not of not knowing because they'd rather just go to the default of feeling they understand everything. The foolish thing is they don't understand anything when they're looking through the English. Uh, and point number three, so I just pulled off my shelf, there's an interesting chuba of Yosef Chaim Sonnenfeld and his Salmat Chaim. I presume you're all familiar with it. Any which way. The key thing is he has an interesting chuba as to whether one needs to say when learning dictu, when learning Hebrew grammar. And he says, yes, because if it helps you learn Torah, they need to say Bilchas Torah. I believe that's Das Torah. I believe too many people don't realize that tools to know Hebrew, to learn Torah, is itself Torah. And that failure to understand that those building blocks are themselves sacred, which is what Simi said, a failure to understand the sanctity of that knowledge and skills leads to uh, an underappreciation of what you need in order to truly access Torah as it was given. Okay, I, I so wanna, uh, before, I just, before we go on, Timmy, before no, we go no, no, on, I'm going to come back. I just wanted to say about the, the other thing is that many of my students are teachers, okay? So I'm talking about post-high school and post-university programs, and I've seen that deterioration. I have seen among the teachers I teach, idealistic, wonderful, committed, incredibly, you know, incredibly passionate about their teaching, I have seen that they don't have skills either. They're not as bad as their students, but I have had teacher, you know, people I've worked in teacher training with who are not that far ahead of their own students. They are also the products of this deterioration. Right, that would make sense. Way. If we're talking about a 20-year trend, these teachers, they, they were raised in that system. I'll see them as Shana Bet, let's say. And mm -hmm. then I'll know that this girl has gone into a program and I'm like, so interesting, like unless she magically gained like a ton of skills there, you know, whatever. Because who you're in charge, you know, like that kind of thing. But the, no, again, wonderful, what, wonderful, wonderful teachers. Yes, so I think wonderful, helping wonderful. Yisrael. I just don't okay. Know one second. So I first want to clarify. We're talking about Uvdot, and then we'll come. Then we're going to do yeah. another sevev about why we think this is happening, and and then maybe we'll do a third sevev about is it fixable. So the first thing, I, the thing I just want to mention is I don't think it's a uniquely. I mean, we're like. 
It, it, it's very like if you're an educator in America and you got this part, you're like, oh, those Israelis are, you know, you know, the people in Israel are raining down on the Chinuch system in Chutzlaret. You know, great, Absolutely nothing not. new. But Absolutely one second, not. one second. Well, we are, but I, I would like to point out that it's not simply a, an American phenomenon, and I don't think it's a Judaic phenomenon either. No, it's not. Meaning, it's we're not. seeing something that's part of a larger trend. I will just say, I have a child. Who's, uh, who is a female feminine child who learns Mishnah in her very religious school. And I was like, oh, so do you learn inside the Mishnah? No, they never, almost never learn the text of the Mishnah. What do they learn? Anybody want to guess, Molly? You want to guess how they learn Mishnah today in this very religious, very advanced school? They watch Mishnah videos from Harav Rimon. Oh, they, they watch Harav Rimon's Ratzim the Mishnah. And she's like, oh, he's great. He explains it very well. I said, do you look inside of the Choveret? She looks at me and she says, she knows how I feel. So she looks like, sometimes this is, and, and I am almost certain that her mechanechet doesn't really know the Mishnah very well either. So like, okay, like this is the reality that who, the person teaching the Mishnah never really learned Mishnah. So it doesn't really understand how to teach Mishnah. Got a choveret. And more importantly, has videos that the kids will be happy to sit and watch. So, so this phenomenon, and I don't think it's a, it's a it's an American or a chutz arts phenomenon, and also I'm quite certain it's not just a a Judaic phenomenon. I mean, you hear it from no, teachers it's not. across Absolutely all disciplines. Not. Yeah, you hear it from teachers across all disciplines. Mm -hmm. The problem is when you take it, that this problem and translate it to another language and uh you know an ancient texts, then it's al achat kama bekama. So, no, so, I, there I just there I have to say it just okay. So, Simi, like, why why is this so bad? Let's talk about first about what's so bad. Why, about it? why, so why, bad why do you think it's it? so bad? Okay, so there are two kinds of learning a person can do, and I remember this was many many years ago. Um, uh, Rav Aaron Tursky, it was a Tursky. He was I don't know you probably all too young to know who he was. He was the dean of Hofstra Law School. He was a Chassid who walked around in full Hasidic regalia. The Tversky's are like that. You know, there's the Tversky's, there's the Soloveitchik's, there's the, there's certain families where there are certain traditions. And we were privileged in high school to have him come in and he gave us a, a mini course. And he said, there's two kinds of learning. And I remember it stuck with me. Um, there's two kinds, there's what he called garbage learning. Garbage learning is you take, you take a container and you put facts in, right? It's basically the kind of learning you get on the internet. It's it's useful, you know, it's useful to have facts. And sometimes it's extremely useful to have facts. You want your doctor to know all kinds of facts. You want, you know, your computer programmer to know all kinds of facts. And as a Jew, you have to know all kinds of facts. But facts are just garbage if they are not part of a larger system. He said, then there's real learning. Real learning hurts because real learning stretches you and it makes you work and he didn't use this term but i would say there are the facts or the things you learn and then there's the process of learning to be a jew you need that process you need that process because if you don't have the process you're not going to internalize you're not going to own it you're not going to love it or hate it or feel it or stretch in any way. Now, you can put a kid in front of, look, uh, you know, talk about, uh, talk about online courses, for example. You can give people readings and give them 
multiple choice questions to answer on the readings to make sure that they've done the reading. Have they processed the implications of the readings? That you can only find out by doing a deeper dive, right? Now, if you're a Jew, it's not just a question of Hebrew is our language, culture, etc. even though that's important, and it is important. It's also a question of nuance and process. You can only have chidush when you're reading in the original. You can only thresh it through when you're learning in the original. You can only understand Rashi when you understand that he is troubled by a grammatical problem in a particular text. I'll give you an example. Ushmi Hashem lo no dati lahem. Va'era el Avraham el Yitzchak ve'el Yaakov bekel shakai ushmi Hashem lo no dati lahem. I taught this Rashi. I was being observed by a staff member in a wonderful seminary that I used to teach in. Again, wonderful girls, committed teachers, really, really great people. And I said, ladies, what's bothering Rashi? I said, let's translate the word no dati. So first we had to understand that it's Yud, Dalit, Ayin. We had to explain that it's, uh, and my name Hashem, and it's a completely incoherent sentence. It doesn't say, and my name Hashem, I did not make known to them. It says, and my name Hashem, I was not known to them. That's not a sentence in any language. And then Rashi builds off that sentence, a completely deep read of that whole section of the Chumash. The teacher sitting in the back was a bright woman, and I was very impressed she did this. She wanted the girls, she did it, first of all, it was first, it was her first reaction, she gasped. She said, I never understood that Rashi. And I was impressed because she wanted the kids to see that she had never understood that Rashi because she didn't know the grammar. Now, if you're reading a translation of Rashi, or even if you're reading Rashi off a translation of the Chumash, you're going to miss so much. And not only are you going to miss so much, if you watch someone else do it for you, and you don't have to do the processing yourself with guidance. Of course, children, children, students, teachers, I mean, adults, you need to be taught how to do this. But if you don't learn how to do it, you don't own it, you don't love it, you don't think about it, and you don't relate to it. It's the process of Talmud Torah that changes us. And when it becomes what Rav Tversky called, you know, garbage can learning, where you're just piling up facts, those facts are very inert. You remember them or you forget them. They don't have an impact on your life. Talmud Torah has to be deep. It has to be, it has to involve a connection with the text and with people who know more Torah than you. And it has to give you skills for understanding it deeply. And, and as Jews, okay, we live in a world of garbage learning. The internet is wonderful for giving you facts sometimes ridiculous facts, as any doctor can tell you, but you can get a lot of information on the internet. But the love, the passion, the intensity, the process, the development that comes out of grappling with the text is just, it's just not the same thing. You know, as a teacher, sometimes you watch the classroom and, and there's, and there's an, keep going, we, keep going, I'm sorry. Yeah. You watch the classroom and you see the students learning right? And then 
you see the light switch go on, right? And then you, teachers live for that moment. That's the moment when the student says, oh, that's what it means. And that's what obligates me. That's what I love or react to or have to work through. That's that's a magical moment. You don't have a moment like that when you're when you're learning uh, facts in translation, essentially. Johnny, you wanna do you wanna respond? I personally wouldn't use those labels, but certainly I recognize that there is uh, much more uh, low level or, or superficial learning that can happen and does happen. A much more in-depth lesson uh, learning. You know, uh, beforehand you were speaking about different languages, basically biblical Hebrew and rabbinic Hebrew, because you know when people like the Malbim write, he's he's using a sophisticated, unique language, which itself takes some it's years hard. to it's understand. Or, yeah. Yeah. And now we're speaking about grammar too. But then a conversation I had with somebody yesterday kind of just was triggered by what you're saying, uh, and I'm going to throw this out to us, to us all, because what you're describing is becoming a pro. Okay. You know, if you're like a pro golfer or you're a pro tennis player, there are certain things you have to do. Now, there are some amateurs who can learn pro skills and other amateurs are very happy just being amateurs. Just to give you an example, I'm not a pro pianist, but I can play some nice music, okay? Now, the question really is, because there's never been, and I've worked in Jewish education for now, you know, 25, 30 years, there's never really been clear gradations as to where the line is between amateur and pro both in terms of skills um, and in terms of knowledge. It's hard to know where you are, but also because there's often a great need for teachers, most people, all they need to be is kind of pretty okay amateurs. So while I'm agreeing with everything you're saying, I'm both in terms of understanding Rush, understanding text, understanding all the books that sit behind me, and I know that absent of that knowledge, you misunderstand them, and certainly when it comes down to Jewish law, you do things wrong. And that happens the whole time. What yeah, I but, do know, though, Johnny, is, what she's saying, what she's saying is, no. I think she's saying something deeper. She's saying, saying that we're missing deeper. that our students are are they're missing the core of what it means to be Jewish and the love of the love. Torah because the love. they're being taught it in translation. I wouldn't use garbage either, but Rav Tversky did whatever because they're being taught in translation because they're getting facts and they're not being given the tools to grapple and own the material. They never ever develop a love of Torah, of Limud HaTorah, and by definition, their Judaism. Can I ask a If it's okay just to respond, in, and I, I heard Simi concurring with that. Again, I'm a purist, so, so know that, again, we're preaching to convert. I'm not. I, okay, <laughs> I, 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 really, okay. I really am, in lots and lots of different ways. However, what I would dispute is, I actually think a person can fall in love with amateur piano and amateur guitar and amateur cooking. It's Torah, Johnny. It's not I agree. piano. And they can it's fall in love. And they can fall in love with that. That doesn't mean they're right, though. You can fall in love with a misunderstood interpretation, even if it's wrong. That makes you wrong. It means you shouldn't be teaching in the classroom. That doesn't necessarily mean you have a, a diminished passion. We need to be clear. A person can fall in love with something, even if they're learning from English, I just think that what they're falling in love with is only part of a broader experience. And if only they knew a greater experience, they'd fall in love even more. I think, no, I, I have to disagree, and I'll, I'll tell you why. One of the things that I see a lot at the seminary level, and I'm sure Molly will concur with this, is what I would call... By the call way, I teach also in SEMS. 
Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, so that's good I to mean, know. For the past 10 years. Okay. I okay, know. yeah, all right. So there's the edutainment <laughs> phenomenon. Mm -hmm. You get courses like... <laughs> Villains in Tanakh. Sorry, that actually is a course, and I don't mean to denigrate the person. No, no, no. Villains in Tanakh is good. How about stories of Yerushalayim? Yeah, or sketchy yeah. characters in Tanakh. Or the Hasidic story, you know, before they can even read a puzzle sort of thing. But I, I, I remember um, asking a certain, there was, there's a Rav who teaches in one of the seminaries. Uh, the man is a tzaddik. He's, he's, I mean, Rav Ramon giving Mishnah is an experience, right? It's wonderful to hear Rav Ramon on his videos doing Mishnah, I'm sure. I, mean, I haven't heard him. The man is a tzaddik. He's a tzaddik. He's a wonderful person. He's a total role model of, of wonderful Jewish values. And uh, someone said, well, Rav, so-and-so is giving the shiur now. He's he's running a little over. I said, okay, that's fine. I'll wait around. And I said, what, what does he teach? And... <laughs> And the principal looked at me and he said, he teaches Rav so-and-so. Right. <laughs> that's what he's teaching. And and that's fine if that was a piece of what they were getting. But many, many of the things that they're doing are of that caliber. Wait, now, what was the phrase that you used? What was the phrase you used? The, the, that he, 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 I said, what's he teaching? What's the topic? No, 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 not that, not to describe the story. You, you called it, you had a phrase to describe the phenomenon. Edutainment. 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 Okay. And, so and it's, it's in part because the seminaries are for profit organizations. But but what I'm saying is this. I'm saying No, but you're not arguing the, seminaries. Your 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 argument is when they come to the seminary, they 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 have been edutained for their for their for the uh, the bulk years. of their yeah. of their educational experience. And then if, if if that's the claim that you're making, we have to start to ask the question, why is that happening? Right. And this and the uh, and I get it. I get it. Let's put it this way. I started to notice that the I mean, I'm I've been in education since I suppose if I tell you this, it's going to tell you exactly how old I am. I've been in education since I'm 19. Right. I taught in I'm I'm a 65. So I've been in Jewish education for a really, really long time. And I've seen a lot of stuff, good and bad and and horrible and indifferent and wonderful and, and everything else. But one of the things that I've seen is that the, the lazy way, right? The problem with the lazy way is that I don't mind if a student makes a mistake when she's reading the Ramban or the Malbim or whatever. And, and I get that and I'm not a purist in that sense. And I can show her where she's gone wrong, or I can explain it to her in a different way, or I can make suggestions, or I can ask questions, or I can do all of those things. But it's Torah. You don't have to be an expert to love and revere Torah. You don't have to be an expert in Torah. You have to be someone who is engaged. La soak bidivrei Torah. So I don't want, I don't, want to turn out students who are necessarily I mean I'd love to ideally I would turn out students who are experts and and develop a, a real real virtuosity in Talmud Torah how I, I should have real virtuosity in, in Talmud Torah but what I want them to have is a sense that Torah 
has endless depths for them. And I don't care. It's not a purist desire. It's the most important thing is that their attachment to Torah is going to carry them through life and give them a connection to God and the Jewish people. And if they don't have it, they're going to come out of the schools where we gave them a very shallow understanding and think that's all there is. And when they face adversity or challenges to their Jewish identity, they're not going to have anything to back themselves up with. That's what worries me. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to stop uh, for our, our sponsor, and then we'll come back right after this. Shalom, this is Rav Johnny Solomon, and I would like to tell you about the services that I provide to men and women around the world. Firstly, if you have a she'ila, a halachic query or a halachic topic you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life, and you feel that you don't have a Rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query, or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one -one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijohnnysolomon.com which seamlessly, with the magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar. And within a few minutes, you'll receive a message with a Zoom link. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you. Okay, we're back. So we, we stopped. We, last thing, Simi, you think we actually waited? That, that, you know, <laughs> the, the, the commercials, we don't play them now. We'll play them later. Okay. <laughs> Simi's seeing the back end of the uh, whoa, podcast, uh, podcast production. Okay, uh, so we talked about the idea of edutainment. I have to say it makes me a little uncomfortable because it's a very strong, it's a very strong indictment. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn to Molly. I'm going to phrase my question this way. I see in my interaction with schools now a phenomenon of schools struggling to bring spirituality and godliness into their schools. And there's a phenomenon, uh, a good friend of mine, Rabbi Yudah Channelist, he's involved in this, and mm -hmm. Lifnim, and a, and a growing movement to bring spirituality and godliness into the schools. So, so I, it's really, it's an unfair indictment to just simply label, oh, edutainment, and that's really all they're trying to do. I think it's inaccurate. There's a yeah. strong desire, all these mechanchim, all these, <laughs> I mean, they can't see your face on them when they're listening. No, the both of our faces, like they really, we should put this faces. one on YouTube so they can okay. see our, our reaction. Okay. So, so uh, <laughs> uh, that's on the one hand. At this, at the same time, like with their desire to instill a spirituality, we we're seeing at the same time this sort of lessening of 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 an ability or a focus on, or maybe even there's a sense that it's it's. It, that one is impinging on the other the ability for our students to have that sense of spirituality connect. Meaning, if we spend all our time making them learn what the root of no datem is and why no datem doesn't fit, then they're going to walk away saying, you know, it was boring, I didn't, I don't connect to it, I didn't like it, and what does that have to do with God? I, I'm telling you, see me? I see it. This is, this is a, this is a developing too. trend I in Jewish education. Too. We're talking mm -hmm. to Molly now. Molly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want to hear what Sima has to say, but, if, yeah. but I do want to also answer because otherwise my head will explode. Answer. So, answer before your head explodes. Okay. I didn't ask the question, but you are. Oh, well, what's the question? <laughs> <laughs> the question is why is this one second? Why is this happening? On the one hand, what's the that we ask, why is this happening? What's the cause for this degradation, this this lessening of focus on skills and connection to text? 
and to turn instead to try to find, supplement it with spirituality and godliness, which is critically important, in the place of or uh, concurrent with the idea of teaching critical tech skills. Okay, so I'm not going to go into why it's happening. I think that's a whole, like a very complicated question that involves larger culture and, um, you know, like... Oh, that's where um, I was softballing you. That's where, exactly where I was leading you, you know. Okay, well, you're go ahead. Me, you want me to cr criticize uh, contemporary culture? I have no problem. I mean, with whatever. But, you can say whatever you want. I don't but I, I, yeah. I want to say a few other I things. I always love when you criticize contemporary exactly, culture. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> okay. But I, I, I just want to respond to a few things that Simi said because they, they struck me very deeply. One was like when, when you were talking... I really feel my heartbreaking for my students because they know it and they want it. Like when you ask my students, what are your goals? So you'll get like, you know, some of them want to grow spiritually and some of them want to figure out what their hashkaf is. And so many of them, I want to work on my skills. That is what they say. And, and even if they're going from like, they start, they used to come in at 15 and they moved to 25 and now they're coming in at two and they move to 10 or five or whatever. The, the, the joy that they get, from their growth in skills, even if today it's so much more minimal than it used to be, is exactly what you're describing. Wait, wait, I one second, Molly, one second. You teach in the SEM. Are they taking the hard skill courses or so, are they taking Rav So-and-So's class on Rav So-and-So? Listen, our seminary provides the range. If, if because there are different students and that's fair and and also they could be taking you know rough so and so on rough so and so in the afternoon and they could be taking Sharon Isaacson's Parshim of in the morning you know what I'm saying so well, like again I'm asking you are the so, students in the morning okay. taking Sharon Isaacson or there are plenty of students who want to do it I think what happens is that the teachers have had to simplify their classes, but those girls who they, they they're still there and they still want it, um, and and meaning even if they didn't know that they wanted it in the beginning, by the middle they, they know that they want it, and by the end they want it, and it's just like we're it's like we're feeding them. Like when you, I know that you guys are both critical of the word garbage, but like how about if we say we're feeding them candy instead of feeding them nutritious food? Like it's something like that, and it's it's heartbreaking. And again, they they do. Thank goodness, I, I do work in a school that emphasizes skills, so they definitely get some of that. And it, it really is so sad that they're that they're again, unfortunately, having been they they really are coming much less equipped. The other thing I, I wanted to talk about, which I think Simi is saying, which I think is to me the most the thing that resonates the most, and and. Um, what you're reflecting now, and I just want to read it from your article, okay? Because let me read it, and then I'll tell you why why it moved, again moves me so much. Okay, um, okay. How do we? Your, the question is, how do we raise Jews, certainly in Chutzlaretz, but even here, who are committed to Judaism with their hearts, their souls? It's 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 their identity, right? Especially when they're in a, in a play, they're in an environment where they have so many other competing identities. So you said, um, teach our as a, as a possibility. Teach our children how to live biculturally, to negotiate a successful path through the outside world while living their richest, most meaningful lives in their true home, the Jewish world. And that sentence struck me so powerfully because I really believe that we're losing students to this feeling that their true home is the Jewish world. I don't. I think so many of today's youth don't have that. It's not obvious to them that the Jewish world is their true home. Not culturally, not ethically, um, it, it, like in, in no way. It, it, it's like they have to be convinced 
and that 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 Torah can be ethical, is ethical, is halacha is worth following. You know, rabbis aren't just a bunch of what. Like, there's so much. I, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna end up tangenting because it really really bothers me. But to me, it's so obvious that that's the the most important thing, right? Is is that our students should feel that um, that their true home is the Jewish world. And then they should be living through that their richest, most meaningful lives. And I agree also that, as you know, yeah, I, that they, I believe they should be gaining also from the secular world as well. But that, to me, that is the best identification of the crisis. And I also think that you're completely right that one of the reasons they're not identifying as being in their Jewish world is because they, 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 the, 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 we've spoken about this before, thick culture, right? The thick culture that you only get through understanding your texts in their native tongue they, they are becoming more and more impoverished of, and they don't have. And it's really, it's really, it's, it's a, it's a, it, it is a tragedy. Um, when, so just also now to answer your question about, you know, like uh, what Yehuda Channelist is doing, which I think is wonderful, is bringing Rav stuff into the schools. Um, it doesn't have to be either and, or it can be both and, right? Meaning it doesn't, it doesn't have to be. Like, you really have to put this on YouTube. I, I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, Johnny, that's important. Like, it's, it's beautiful that they're learning, the, you know, the Rav Dove stuff. It's beautiful. But, but that doesn't mean, it's not one or the other, which is the way to connect them to their Judaism. They're all the way to connect them to their Judaism, right? It's, it, that, that, that's obvious. We've always had that, right? Like, you learn Torah and then you sing Zmiros. Like, it's all part of the, of the bigger picture. Right. So then what's uh, okay. okay. So then what's so, happening? What's so happening? Now, I think what the problem is that I don't have the answer to this, which is the teachers are going to tell you, we don't have the time, right? I have to choose one or the other. Um, uh, what else are they going to claim? The kids don't have the critical thinking. By the way, that's the thing interesting, Johnny. By the way, if you're a teacher listening to this, we'd love to have you. I want yeah. to talk about this. We'd love to have shout, you. On the shout program. out to England, by the way, because I always find that the English kids come in, they're my English students, and the first couple weeks they are, or they used to be now, everything's all, you know, catawampus in, in skills. But let's, let's say it used to be 10 years ago. The English girls would come in and they would be sitting with some of these girls from the New York schools who were, you know, very, very skilled. And they'd say, they would almost want to cry. They're like, my skills are terrible. I'm not, I'm embarrassed. I'm I can't do the sources. I can't keep up. And I'd say, you're from England? Don't worry. You'll be fine in, in, in a month and a half because you have critical thinking skills because you have learned how to think, right? Like, like you, like, like Simeon said about the garbage. And so maybe they didn't have enough hours of, of if Hebrew in their curriculum, maybe it was taught to them more shallowly, but maybe they did it still in England. They were, they were still analyzing Shakespeare or math on some type of deeper level. And that gave them the ability to learn how to do the, the skill stuff. But in today's world, that it, nobody knows how to think. Again, I hope they still know how to think better in England than they do in, in the United States because... Don't bet on it. Maybe not. Don't bet right? on it. Maybe not. The world has, like, we're just, our priorities are upside down backwards everywhere. And it's just the trickle down effect of, of the these sea changes in the world that are happening everywhere where, where you're teaching ideology instead of skills, where you're denigrating tradition and and talking about innovation. We see Blau's recent article about the English department in YU, right? Where he's I like, where's the traditional English that. department? And the answer is, oh, it's so awesome. We're, we're, we're showing them movies. And again, I'm the last person to criticize. I, my goal in life is to, you know, explain how you could learn truth through movies. I believe in it passionately. But I also believe you should have a, <laughs> an English curriculum that's going to teach Shakespeare and not just, you know, ghosts in 
in in the English canon, right? That it's like a, almost a parallel conversation, and but this is different. And as Sami said, because it's Torah, and it's it's our connection to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Um, so the reasons it's happening, I think, if somebody has a quick answer, right, I'm going to I'm going to turn to Johnny for this because yeah, the, because he clearly wants to say what he's going to say. So Johnny, is so real and deep. Yeah. yeah. So Johnny, I'm going to ask you uh, what what you think the causes are specifically because I know what you did your master's degree in. Uh, and whether that's related, okay, whether you can think that's related, but uh, you could obviously choose to ignore my question and say what you wanted to anyway. Well, took my master's in Jewish education. I did a dissertation about the impact of smartphone technology and the yeshiva and seminary experience. But be that as it may, um, you think those, I mean, obviously I led you on. You think that the whole, the phenomenon of like our addiction to our phones, and this is adults as well, and, uh, and, uh, I just we're we're not reading as much anymore. Like people mm -hmm. don't read anymore. Mm -hmm. Everything they is read, a short video. You know, so funda fundamentally, I mean, th this isn't a point. I right, this isn't a point I really want to make. I'll, I'll come to the one I want to make in just a second. Fun the notion that there is no such thing as a total institution anymore. When I was in yeshiva, when you guys were in yeshiva midrasha, we were in what we call a total institution. It means we were in a really see, uh, sealed bubble for X amount of days, X amount of weeks or months. Then we're relatively uninterrupted other than a phone call home or a letter every once in a while. And that led us to be much more immersed and immersion has a whole bunch of unique qualities. That doesn't exist anywhere. Uh, and including yeshiva and seminary. I can talk about the pros and cons of smartphones, but that's just the world we're in. I just recently listened to a podcast with Danny Shachman, the Nobel Prize winner, talking about the, the Technion, and he's saying how people coming to the Technion now also lack critical thinking skills. As we say, this is a global phenomenon. I do, though, want to mention something that Simi was saying, but uh, certainly touched on us all, uh, and relating to a beautiful idea by Norman Lamb and his uh, insights on Haggadah. You know, we come to the Tam, to, to the so-called simple son, uh, and he believes that that's a bad translation of Tam. I think we'd all agree. And he has a lovely line in this essay where he says, in our generation, there's too much Chochmah and too little Tamimus, uh, which I absolutely agree with in so many ways. Mm -hmm. But in terms of curricular development, and that's also part of my background, you know, uh, when the Chobetz Chaim was, was talking about education for guys and for girls a hundred or so years ago, what we expected students to know was less and deeper. Nowadays, we expect students to know a lot more and ultimately does come at a cost of depth. You know, if uh, a student was to learn, I mean, here's an interesting example, because I gave a class about it in Matan a few years ago. Mishle used to be a book that every Jew would know, every man, every woman. It was expected that everyone knew Mishle. If you didn't be able to read it, you'd still know quotes from Mishle. It was just part of the mother tongue of being Jewish. Nowadays, most men, most women don't know almost anything about Mishle. What happened? The truth is Mishle is still in the Tanakh, but anybody didn't realize, right? But it seems to be we all felt that we needed to know many, many other more impressive things. It's interesting. Uh, I, don't, I don't know where, like, I mean, I can't say, I, I might know some rare psukim, but I don't know Mishle at all. Right. So the Chavit Chaim, you know, a, a Jewish woman, you know, pre Sarshner, she knew Michelin, so at Tenoran, it's like, it's kind of. No, those are two different things. Yeah. I'm well aware anyway, of two different things, but he anyway, mentioned them both. That's, that's why the, the thing is, there's two not Chachman, two little Tamimas, and you mentioned all these different courses. How about we actually didn't teach, you know, five different Sifre Tanakh? We tried to teach one. You know, it's also part of our choice. And, uh, when writing curricula for schools in the UK, uh, this desire to edutain is because we try and make our students feel engaged. 
uh, and there's a sense that people are going to get bored when you do the same thing for a while. That only happens when the teacher doesn't know how to find the gems in that same thing. You know, I could spend a year teaching, I have done, teaching Sefer Dvarim. I mean, if you, if you don't learn Sefer Dvarim, how can you know to live as a Jew uh, on a very simple level? So it, part and parcel of it is a desire to do many different things rather than fewer things better. It's a desire to be smart rather than have chokhmah uh, and, uh, so, uh, and, uh, sorry, rather than be tamim. And tamim requires our appreciation of encountering God in Torah. So I agree, absolutely, and I've said this before, that that's best done and ideally done the original Hebrew language. I disagree that you can't, I, I believe you can love God through uh, different ways of encountering God, nature, creation, revelation, redemption, etc., and learning Torah in different uh, ways. But errors do creep in, and those errors are dangerous. And unfortunately, those people who've had those errors creep into their education because they haven't had that rigorous education are teaching our kids and our grandkids. And Again, then, it's not just oh, about errors. It's about not, you said it before, it's a richest experience. You can love God a whole bunch. But um, if you if you if you don't if you haven't learned Torah in depth, your 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 idea of what full Judaism is 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 limited by definition. I agree. So let me just give one quick anecdote because I was involved in the National Chumash Curriculum Project in the UK, and uh, I was working with you know you mentioned before Ellie Kahn, who was both a teacher of mine uh, and and I'm, <laughs> he mentored me for over many many years, and Ellie and I worked together for uh, uh, over. A long period of time, and he and Gabby Goldstein wanted to uh, bring greater rigor to, to Jewish high schools, and so did I. The problem was that none of the teachers were capable of that unless they took some real time out to train. And so I was kind of like the bridge, and I was listening to Ellie and Gabby and saying, I agree with you. And I was listening to teachers, and I was hearing them, think, them thinking, we feel that we can't do this. And uh, I was lucky when I was younger to have people invest in me at the right age and stage so that I could become a decent, you know, Chumash teacher or Torah teacher, whatever one calls oneself. Failing to do that at the right age and stage means that teachers maintain a certain level. And many teachers are at a certain level, which would disappoint us all. We could blame them for that, but there's also a gap. There are also needs. Can, can, I, just, can I just say, I, I agree with you about that. I think that the problem is in the educational system. But I am not inclined to lift up my hands in despair. Um, that's one thing I got from my parents. They were Holocaust survivors. They saw a korban much bigger than the one we're bringing on ourselves. And they bounced, and not they, their generation bounced back. Jews just have survived the Soviet Union. I mean, the true uprooting of Judaism from Russian Jewry and there are Jews coming back and, and we can always plant and rebuild and, and do it again. And I think that one of the things that we have to acknowledge here is these problems can be solved if we do it on a systemic community-wide Wait, wait, one second, Simi. I have to, I, before you even get to that, yes. you think, I was, I've been thinking about this, do you think the average parent who's spending $22,000 or $28,000 a year is aware of this problem? No, 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 they don't know. Many of them are not learned it themselves. Many of them, you know, let's put it this way. In the Haredi world, for example, okay, your Haredi father at least has a, the Haredi community set of a fairly high, uh, you know, raft. How do you say that in English? Standard. Bar. Bar had a fairly high bar for what Jewish knowledge should be. 
the kids aren't learning something, even if the mother isn't particularly knowledgeable, and the mothers within their realm also have a fairly high bar. And the, te the school isn't supplying the schaira, you know, isn't supplying the merchandise here. They know that their kids are not getting enough. I'm not sure that's true. It's true in sectors of the modern Orthodox community, for sure. But I don't think it's true across the board by any means, that the parents are aware of how bad the education their kids are getting is. I don't think, I, I think that many of them, many of them may not have been privileged to get the kind of Jewish education they would have benefited from. Some of them mm. don't have time. They're not experts. They're not educators. They're parents, right? So no, I think a I'm lot of I'm going to ask that. I guess you think know. it'd be a more cynical question. Do you think that after hearing this podcast, they're going to say, wow, we, we've got to fix this problem? Or do you think they're going to say, if my child's in Jewish day school and they're happy and they're feeling connected to the community and they're in NCSY and they're, you know, they want to do a year in Israel. I'm yesh good. Yesh. There are some who are going to hear this and say, what? And some who are going to hear this and say, eh. and you're right. But, but my assumption is if we reach a quarter of the students and give them a better quality education, that's got to be a lot better than everybody across the board getting a really substandard education Jewishly. I don't care if we don't reach everybody. Oh, ideally in an ideal world? Yes, of course I want to reach everybody and I want to give everybody the best opportunities. You can't guarantee a you know quality of outcome. You can't guarantee what the outcome of your educational system is. But you can try to give the absolute best. And a Jew presents an alternative to what's happening in the world that's not healthy. We we shouldn't be surrendering to the terrible, terrible impact of social media and smartphones and all the other garbage that's out there. We should be providing an alternative, at least to our own, to our own children. And if that's the case, there has to be a systemic, community-wide gewalt about this. There has to be, look, the shidduch crisis, I think the shidduch crisis, people are rightfully extremely upset about and they're brainstorming about it and they're thinking about it and they're putting money into it and they're right well let jewish education be that kind of cause see it must be my reaction and the reason why i pushed to have you on the podcast after you wrote the article is because i feel like on the one hand the desire to bring godliness into the classroom it makes a lot of sense because it's a desire to connect kids and want them to feel connected in class around etc but your argument is like it shouldn't be this or that, but schools do often feel that it's this, not this or that, but certainly not this because it's at the cost of feeling bored and alienated and disassociated. One second. Whereas your argument is that it's exactly the opposite. Yes. If you give them the hard work and you make them do the work and you overcome their heat and dude, and the parents buy in, you know, and there's and there's deep buy-in on a on a on a systemic level. They will be more connected than if yes, you let them because, eat the junk food and they feel bloated, et cetera, right, et cetera. Right. That's what I think the point is, that I think it's not as this or that, but I think many schools are saying we don't want to, we don't want to force them to do the work because they're being alienated. And, and if they're alienated, then I think some parents would say, why is my child coming home saying he hates Chumash? Why they're is my child saying- They're alienated anyway. They're no. alienated anyway. 
They're going to go out into the world and face a world that's going to tell them that everything they learned in yeshiva, in day school, and whatever is wrong. They have to, they have to be able to, to say at least to themselves, no, it's true. It's deep. You don't get a sense of satisfaction and accomplishment out of doing garbage. And, right. and the, when parents, I'm sorry, just one more thing. Yeah, no, parents give kids the cheap compliment. They make their kids feel like garbage. They do. And it's been shown that, you know, self-esteem, self-esteem, self-esteem. It has to be real, right? Self-esteem that is cheap, that is easily earned, it's not self-esteem. It's my parents must think I'm an idiot if they accept this kind of nonsense from me and say, no, you're really wonderful. Molly, that was a softball for you. Tell your kid he's wonderful when he's wonderful and tell him you can do better when he's not. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, 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 I agree, actually. Um, Sorry, I'm, I, you got me on my... my no, 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 I, I, was, yeah. I just wanted to ask you another question, that's all. Out of uh, nothing, uh, Johnny that's wanted to say something, and you'll ask a question, yeah. and, we'll, and we'll wrap up. Johnny, yeah. you had something to say. Well, it, it kind of goes back to the, this distinction between, I suppose, quality and quantity, but I just want to make reference to a, a, a post I wrote a couple of weeks ago that may, I think, uh, resonate here. <laughs> you know, that we always say... Uh, I, I, I learned from Rabbi Sachs about the importance of Torn Chokhmah. So I'm going to quote from Chokhmah, an interview with Rick Beto interviewing Sting. And now, why, why is that interesting? Because when he interviewed Sting, they were discussing a Spotify and the easy accessibility of a million songs on oh, your I smartphone. Saw, I saw your post um, on this. And I'd love to see it. Seven, oh, I missed this. Uh, okay. yeah. uh, well, I, I tried to make an, I'd, I'd argue quite an important point about the digitization of text. Things like Safari are not limited to it because nowadays we have text galore. I mean, what I can access on my computer is is incredible. I mean, it's like I can access you know, you know a million books within a click of a button, uh, quite sincerely. However, what Sting was saying about the the, the different experience of opening up a record. Uh, and, you know, only having a handful of songs, but treating them sacred because there was only a few, but this was a physical thing uh, and you'd invested to buy it and it was rare, it was hard to find. And nowadays you just press a button and he spoke about the commodification of music. And I ended off by saying that now in the digitized uh, world of Jewish texts, we risk uh, the danger of the commodification of Torah texts. No, Johnny, and I think you, your, your minshal is not a good one because it, in Sting's mashal, the people would have access to a million songs, but wouldn't know how to listen to them. No, Here, no, no, have, no. Most no, people have no, access to Safaria. They have access to the entire range of Jewish knowledge, but don't understand how to read it. That, no, I, I say that too. Uh, if you haven't yet read what I wrote, I, I, that's precisely Please, what I say. I'd love to see it. That's yeah. precisely what I say. For example, by the way, I make it clear that if you can access the Ibn Ezra, but you can't access the Hagdaman to Ibn Ezra, then you've already failed before you've begun. And unfortunately, uh, the way books used to work is there was a Hagdaman at the beginning for a reason. Uh, and so and not learning the introduction of the author, their background, how they explain things, their unique language. Um, uh, you know, just to give a very different example, the Rambam uses Maaseh Bereshit and Maaseh Melkava different to other people. If you don't know his unique language, you'll automatically fail to understand the Rambam because the Rambam has his own language. I don't know if you know those people pulling about how the Rambam uses the words Divrei Sofrim. There's whole books on it. He uses that phrase differently. And if you don't understand what he means, which he explains in his Chubas, you'll automatically misunderstand him. So the key thing is to say, I am a purist. But, uh, and so, 
access to things doesn't mean you understand them, and therefore, better to learn one book of the Rambam from beginning to end and understand what he's saying, than try and, you know, skirt through a few things uh, and misunderstand it all, and that's what's happened with a greater access, this chokhmah, the ease of access to, but the lack of tamimus uh, of meeting those authors, those texts, as they should be. And that, I'll just I'll conclude advise, by going back... I'll I don't think people are even getting that far, frankly. Right. Okay. Well, let's put it this way. The, the <laughs> fact that I, I, I reference Rick Beater and Sp Sting as, a, as an important access point to explore this idea, I think is hopefully beneficial. And it's on my Facebook page, anybody's interested. But going back to where I began, which is Dick Duk and, and Lashana Kodesh, the learning of that is Torah. We need to realize that. And we say, Birchas Torah for learning that. And it, these are not hechsha to, these are not secondary to, these are essential to, because if you don't get those words, you don't get Torah. Still, for those who didn't have that at the right age and stage, if you're going to be in a classroom, I would say, make time to learn. And if you don't make time to learn, don't think you're in a position to teach more than what you know. Um, and ideally, we should do whatever we can to uh, meet the Torah as it was given. Limudakinitinata. Molly, you wanted to ask a question. Yeah, I just had a quick question. It's not really a quick question for Sami, which is, you said there has to be a systemic change, uh, change and I agree with you. Um, so I know that there isn't an easy answer to this, but I am curious to hear how you, what you would say to, let's say, these uh, um, either educators or, or, or administrators who say to you, or who would say to us, um, there isn't time, um, it, you know, like, it's not possible, it's either or, or all of these things, like, do you, would you have a formula, because you kept saying, like, you can do it yes, in a classroom, I think so I would love to hear your formula. Okay, so it, it, obviously, this is probably a discussion, a much longer discussion, but I would say this, there are a lot of smart Jewish people out there, a lot of the principals and teachers are smart, a lot of the askanim in the community are smart, if you got a group of people together, people who are dedicated or devoted to this cause, who are willing to think outside of the box and to say, okay, we have a whole range of schools who could benefit from a systematic program or syllabus or curriculum for, uh, for uh, Hebrew language instruction as pertains not to spoken Hebrew, but to text study, right? And you sit down, I mean, we used to do it, right? We used to do it, it was done, it worked. Okay, you sit down and you say, okay, let's get our smartest minds together. Let's go to, let's come up with some really good plans. Let's consult experts on language acquisition. Let's make create a program in which 15 minutes a day, not more, 15 minutes a day in every classroom, starting in Kita Aleph or even kindergarten, you have the kids for 12 years, right? 15 minutes a day of Hebrew language instruction that will give them the maximum bang for the buck, right? And it and it's and it's systematic. We train teachers to do it. We train principals on how to introduce a new curriculum or new curricular item into the classroom or into the into the staff room. We work more on better and more productive professional development. We do a better job in training our upcoming teachers. 
we as a community try to professionalize education so that a teacher has to hit a certain standard or bar. There's how many Jews in America? How many Orthodox Jews in America? Lots, lots of Orthodox Jews in America. Smart people who care about God and Torah and Yiddishkeit and the Jewish people. Let's put some like cup into it. Let's put some head into it. Let's sit down and get experts, get people who are committed, who love and care to think on a community-wide level and make certain things available to principals, to schools, to parents, right? To beef up the Jewish education. And yes, think about what is the right balance at which age for more touchy-feely and more intellectual and how do you introduce critical thinking skills? Believe me, the day that that happens, I'm a sheikh's going to come, but I think it can be done. I really do think that if you want to solve this problem, the Jewish community has to get on board. And it doesn't have to, everybody doesn't have to agree. But yes, you want to get the Jewish community on board. You want to have people investing financially and otherwise. Okay. Well, this podcast was an attempt to try to continue the conversation that you began with your with your article on 1840. So we should first of all thank David Bashevkin for inviting you to write. Thank mm -hmm. you for writing it. Thank you for coming thank on. As I mentioned to you, God willing, this summer uh, at the Yemei Yun Tanakh, we're going to have a Yom Pedagogia, some kind of Jewish education symposium. And uh, if all goes well, we'll invite Simi to come back and, uh, and uh, share her thoughts there as well. I want to mention, if you're an educator listening and thinking, oh my God, these people should walk into the classroom with me for 20 minutes and, and maybe then they would hear, please contact me. I'd love to have you. We'd love to discuss it with you as well to have another side. Because like I could understand someone listening to this feeling we're ganging up on them, which uh, which is probably not a good feeling. All right, I want to thank- Ruben, Ruben yeah. can I just say one thing? Sure. I, the teachers are in the trenches and they're doing incredible work. And I don't mean this to be in any way disrespectful of them. They should not be carrying this burden alone. They should have communal support. They should have school support. They should have the all the all of the um, tools that they need at their disposal. It's not because the teachers aren't good people or good teachers or care don't care enough. It's because they're fighting a, in a broken system, and I think that's an important point. Okay, uh, so we'll wrap it up there. I want to thank Rob Johnny Salman, Robert Malibravsky. Thanks so much to Simi Peters for joining us. I uh, thank my son for our music. You all know how to reach us on Facebook. We're all on the Facebook and on the email. And uh, Simi's probably not, you're not on email, Simi? No, Simi? I'm on email, but not on Facebook. Can they reach you on email? What's You want to share your sure. email? People want to reach out to you? It's What's your email? writing Simi, W-R-I-T-I-N-G-S-I-M-I, lowercase at gmail.com. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great week. We'll talk to you later.